Hey everyone, welcome to today's Crustcast. My name is Bill Giannone. I'm a co-founder of the Crest Network, and my specialty is dealing with business owners on the structure, administration, and financial side of the business. My partner, Dick Widener, has been an expert for years on the marketing side of the business and building that side of it. And I've been in the industry for 13, 14 years doing the owner financial, call it in-office side of the business. One of the things I want to talk about today is that there's been a lot of discussion in the industry over the last few years about different concepts, and there's a lot of right and wrong. You'll see it in a lot of chat rooms. So I'm starting a three-part series today called Living in the Gray. You know, when you talk about living in the gray, it normally means not being black and white. We know laws are black and white. We know you either are compliant or you're breaking the law. Well, in business, there are a ton of things that go on, no matter whether it's restoration or Wall Street or anything. There's a lot of ways that people live in the gray. Companies live in the gray. And they do that because they think that being fully compliant and legal is going to cost them money. So they're trying to maximize profits by living in the gray. For those of you who don't know, I spent the first 25 years of my professional life on Wall Street as a trader. And I was there during the 0708 housing crash when Wall Street, uh, maybe rightfully so, got a really bad rap and reputation as being crooks and cheats and living in the gray. Okay. That is definitely something that was a mindset of mine as a person on Wall Street. It was always not necessarily living in the gray in terms of breaking rules, because to me, that's black and white. Living in the gray is how do we take the rules that currently exist and exploit them to our advantage, even if it means somebody else gets disadvantaged. That is how my mindset of living in the gray always worked. We were always looking for an edge. We were always looking for leverage. If they changed the rules, then the, the next idea was, how do we take advantage of the new rule? How do we live in that gray area with the new rules? So for my definition of living in the gray, it was never breaking the law, but it was always kind of tiptoeing on that line and maybe skirting a few things that might be ethical, but not necessarily illegal. So that's kind of where we're at. I want to talk about some of those things in our industry now, because I've been fighting a lot of those things in our industry here. There are things that happen on a day-to-day -day basis in your company and in our industry that people believe they're living in the gray. They believe they're kind of skirting the line, but they're not. They're tiptoeing way, way over the line, and it's black and white. You're either following the law or you're not in these specific instances. Now, I don't like to think of gray when I talk about businesses as the difference between black and white. I talk about them as the differences between black and red. For those of you who understand accounting, there's a difference between being in the black and being in the red. Those are the two sides that you're going to be on in a business. If you're making money, you're in the black. If you're losing money, you're in the red. That's just a general nickname for or slang, let's just say, for how you're operating your business. The reason for that is most accounting software programs will print out positive numbers on a profit and loss statement as black numbers. They'll be in black type. 
If it's a negative number, it might be in the parentheses, but it will also be in red type. So at the bottom line, when you're a profitable company, that bottom line is obviously a black number. If you're a not profitable company, if you operated at a loss, that bottom number will be a red number. So in the black or in the red really means to whether we're making or losing money. And the reason why a lot of business owners, especially in restoration, live in the gray is because they believe it's the only way to get from red to black. Well, I'm here to tell you as someone who's helped businesses build, sustain, grow, and then ultimately sell over the last 14 years, my focus is making sure you stay out of the gray and you get in the black, but we're going to do it by a couple of other means, not by skirting the rules. Remember, if you're operating a company in this industry in the red, there's only three options. Option number one, you're in the red because you don't understand how to operate a business in this industry. This industry is very unique. We're not like most other businesses. We have very, very high gross profit margins, but we also have very, very high carrying costs. So that means that it operates a lot differently from other businesses where they could be high volume, low margin, low profit businesses, but you're able to predict and sustain. Another thing that's unique about our business is we don't really have a lot of steady guaranteed business. You don't start January 1st knowing you've got a contract for $4 million of restoration services. That just doesn't happen unless you're a, you know, a, a corporate carpet cleaner, then you might have some of those long-term contracts. But for your normal everyday water damage restorer, we don't have that. So it makes that kind of predictability much more difficult to operate. So just remember, that's choice number one. You just don't know how to operate a business in this industry effectively. We can change that. That doesn't require breaking the rules. That requires education. Number two, you know how to operate the business, but it's just not working. It's just not firing in all cylinders. I call that a process problem. So we have an education problem and we might have a process problem. You might have good people. You might have good intentions. You're just not getting to the finish line when it relates to your business. You're operating maybe at a very small loss as opposed to a larger loss. So you got things going. You just need a little tweak. And the tweak is where I come in, where I can take you from red to black by looking at some things and making them work a little better. The third way that you could be operating in the red is because you're living your entire business world in the gray and you're cheating the system. You're probably making money, but your company, quote unquote, is losing money. Those are companies I really don't like to work with because I can't help a guy who's taking shortcuts to begin with. So I usually refrain once I have an idea of what's going on within that company. I usually say to them, well, you don't need me because you're doing what you want to do well enough that you're showing that you're losing money, but you're really making money. So you don't need my help. They certainly don't want to be a business that makes money. And I only really want to work with businesses that make money. So for me, that's kind of the easy math. I can work with the first two real well. I can't work with the third one. So let's just assume if you're listening to me and you haven't clicked off by now because I insulted you, you're one of those guys that wants to do one of the first two and, or you're a profitable business, which is great but you're doing it by living in the gray. How do we stay and maintain profitability by moving from gray to black or gray to, you know, way, way straight on the line? Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of ways to do that. One of the first things I want to do in this particular press cast is talk about 
the number one thing that I see in our industry that is a gray area. And that's the idea of paying referral fees. Now, remember, there is no gray when it comes to referrals that come from agents, that come from brokers, that come from adjusters. If you're getting business from an insurance agent, an insurance broker, or an adjuster, whether they be a public adjuster or any other kind of business, you, by law, cannot offer them anything of value in excess of $35 as a referral fee. They are forbidden by their own rules from taking referral fees. Okay, they have a fiduciary responsibility that they have to uphold by virtue of their licensing and what they are doing in the in the job. They cannot take a referral fee from you. That's very important to remember because a lot of times you might get somebody on that side of the fence who's living in the gray in their own world and say, hey, you know, I'm going to the Bahamas and I gave you that million dollar job. I'd really like to do this boat cruise and I just can't find the money in tent. There's no gray there. That's black and white. You either do it and break the law or don't do it and don't break the law. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to sit there and say, well, I have to do something and you're going to try to figure something out. I'm just telling you that that's black and white. You can't live in the gray there. In the plumber world, there is some gray. In the plumber world, you're allowed to compensate plumbers or other contractors for referring business to you. That's not illegal yet. It may become illegal in some states in very short order because there are some legislatures that are considering that as a law violation for the same reasons that you can't currently do it with brokers or agents. They're trying to say that there's a fiduciary responsibility to the service provider to not recommend. So that's what we have to watch out for. But for right now, it's, it's okay to pay the plumber a referral fee. The gray area comes to how we do that. Obviously, direct deposit, check, uh, debit card, those are all easy ways to do it where we're going to be issuing direct payment to either the company or the plumber himself, and that's going to be tracked as an expense, and those are very easy. Where it gets gray is the cash. I've had a lot of conversations about this. Is it illegal to give somebody cash? The answer is no. It's not illegal to give somebody cash. Where we start to get into the gray is how do we treat that cash transaction? IRS laws stipulate that if we are going to write off any kind of cash transactions as an expense to our business, if that cash transaction or series of cash transactions exceeds $600 in any fiscal year, whether it be calendar year or if you happen to operate on a different 12-month cycle than January through December, if you're going to give somebody more than $600 cash in that window, you have to issue them a 1099. Same thing with checks, same thing with debit cards, anything like that. Any total compensation to, to an individual or company that exceeds $600 in a calendar year, you have to give them a 1099 if you want to consider that an expense. The 1099 form is telling the government, this is an expense I incurred, and I'm going to be writing this off on my taxes. Now, we just missed a window. I'm recording this in early February. We just missed the January 31st window, which is the statutory limit for when you must issue those 1099s to anybody who received that kind of compensation from your company. Nonetheless, 
you have to issue a 1099. What that 1099 also does is it tells the IRS, the recipient of this money, whether it's cash, whether it's any sort of compensation, has to declare that as income on their revenue, on their tax return. So that's where it gets gray. We have a lot of plumbers who want the cash, but don't want it to be declared as income. They want it to be an under the table payment. Guys, here's a little hint. As an Italian from New York, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, but I grew up in in a world and I was not part of, uh, let's just say that side of the Italian world in my family, thank goodness. But I was certainly not uh, a stranger to or or wasn't foreign to me the concept of under the table living. And under the table living is not living in the gray. Under the table living is the other side of legal. So when you are thinking about paying somebody under the table, you have to understand the ramifications of that. If you are paying them cash and then you are turning around and trying to declare that as an expense on your business, that's a violation. That's illegal. I don't care if you're hiding it in petty cash. I don't care if you're saying it's a marketing expense. I don't care what you're calling it. If you're doing that, that's illegal. Okay, so what are the options there? Remember, it's not illegal to give somebody money. It's just illegal to give somebody money, not issue them a 1099, and then try to write it off as a business expense. So your option that makes it legal, if they demand on getting cash, and you decide that it's worth it as a business to give them cash. Remember, you haven't gone into the gray yet of violating the rules. You have two options, actually. Number one option is, let's say they want $200 cash. You can say to them, well, I can't give you cash, but here's what I can do. Instead of giving you $200 cash, I can give you $300 cash, but I can 1099 you. So now I'm giving you enough that at the end of the year, when you pay your taxes, I've given you enough to cover the taxes so that at the end of it, you will have gotten $200, which was your intent anyway. You understand what I'm saying? If somebody gets $200 cash, that's what they're left with. If I gave them $300, but it was taxable, they would have to pay tax on $300 of revenue. The tax for most people, let's just call it a third. That's not a bad number rough. For most people, it'll be less than that. But for some people, and you know, by the time you get done with state and local and self-employment, and there's all crazy taxes, but let's just say it's a third. You could get away with saying, well, instead of giving you 200, I'm going to give you 300. And you have to declare it. That's on you. If you choose not to declare it, you're violating it because I'm going to give you a 1099. But I'm giving you 300 instead. So I'm giving you what you want at the end. There's just This is the only way that I can do it legally. Or you now have to say, I'm not going to write off that cash, and I'm just going to have to declare more income. How does that work? Well, if I make $100,000 of income and I spend $10,000 in plumber referrals to get that $100,000. If I was giving them 1099s, my income would be 90000 If I can't give them 1099s, I have to make my income 100000 So for me, my tax goes up by that amount as well. So for every $10,000 of income, you're going to have $3,000 of tax. So you're going to have to say, well, I gave out $10,000 of referrals, but it really cost me $13,000 because I have all this additional 
revenue that I have to pay tax on. And my additional tax is going to be another three grand. So you have to do the math. Either you give it to them up front, which is what I suggested, turning 200 into 300 is going to turn 10,000 in referrals to 13,000 in referrals, or you just have to pay more tax. Either way, that's the only legal way to do it if you're going to use cash as a transaction. Okay, If you're using checks, they have to get a 1099 anyway because your checks are going to have to line up with expenses. Every check that you enter into your QuickBooks has to have a corresponding transaction. Usually so do cash transactions because if you withdraw money from a bank, you have to put a reason for that withdrawal. And that's why I'm saying some people will put petty cash or they'll put miscellaneous Guys, you can't get away with that if you know a good portion of your business is being paid out in referral fees. That's going to get caught. That's going to get red flagged. And I just don't want you to think, you know, I, I told you, I spent a long time in my world worrying about black and white and living in the gray. It's not a healthy way to live. I don't think it's very, very profitable in the long run for your company to operate like that because it creates a culture of distrust, not just between you and the plumber or the lead source. It creates some distrust within the entire company if others find out how this is operating. It's best to just operate above board because if you're willing to do that for a plumber, why wouldn't you be willing to do that for your technician or for your salesman? Oh, listen, I don't want to declare this as income, so just give me give me all that uh, commission in cash. Like that creates a bad, bad vibe. I would stay away from that. So as it relates to plumber referrals, let's stay out of the gray. You have choices. Always try to choose the one that's going to put you in the best position ethically, legally, and morally. That's kind of my two cents on that. There are a lot of other areas within our industry. I'm going to address the two biggest areas in the next couple of Crestcasts. For now, I'm going to call it a day. My name is Bill Giannone. On behalf of everyone here at the Crest Network, I want to thank you again for joining us. And I look forward to joining you on part two of my series, Living in the Gray. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.